Good morning. Impassioned plea. For God's sake, do something. President Biden addressing the nation, saying mass shootings have turned cities into killing fields and demanding lawmakers take action. How many more innocent American lives must be taken before we say enough, enough? This morning, his push to ban assault weapons and expand background checks. And the president's own admission, it's easier said than done. So is there any hope of Democrats and Republicans coming together in any way? We are live at the White House. Breaking overnight, deadly end, an escaped inmate behind one of the largest manhunts in Texas history, killed during a dramatic chase and shootout with police. Lopez crashed out and decided to engage law enforcement officers. But only after he allegedly murdered a family of five, the very latest just ahead. On alert, storm warnings issued as the first tropical system of the season moves into the Gulf. The South bracing for a rough weekend of heavy rain and high winds. Al's got your forecast. Pump pain. Gas prices soar to yet another record overnight, up a whopping 56 cents in a single month. Could Americans from coast to coast soon be shelling out a once unthinkable $5 a gallon? All that plus new tribute. The royal family attending a special church service this morning as festivities for the Queen's Platinum Jubilee roll on. All eyes on Harry and Meghan and the larger role they are playing today as health concerns force the Queen herself to bow out at the last moment. Straight ahead, a live report from London. And can you spell drama? The national spelling be decided by the first ever lightning round tiebreaker overnight. Harini, you correctly spelled a total of 21 confirmed correct And the champion, a remarkable eighth grader from Texas. She's celebrating with us live. T-O-D-A-Y, Friday, June 3rd. 2022. From NBC News, this is Today with Savannah Guthrie and Hoda Kotb, live from Studio 1A in Rockefeller Plaza. Hey guys, welcome to Today. It is a Friday morning. We're so happy you're starting it with us. Craig is in for Savannah. She's on assignment. Yeah. Can you spell Harini Logan? I mean, talk, that's the winner. Talk yeah. about that 14-year-old yeah. from... Here's the thing, Hoda Kappa. I watched the clip this morning. Yeah. I didn't even know you yeah. could have a playoff in a spelling bee. Oh, game. and like if you've ever had the nerves watching a spelling bee, multiply that by about 10. Yeah. And then you could, we're going to watch this. Harini's going to be with us. We look forward to that. But we do have a lot of other news to get to, including... This morning's service of Thanksgiving for the Queen's Platinum Jubilee, the Queen herself notably not attending. But as you can see, other members of the royal family stepping out at St. Paul's Cathedral, including the first formal Jubilee appearance from Harry and Meghan. We're going to have a lot more from London live. We're also following back here a threat of severe weather heading into the weekend with parts of Florida under a tropical storm warning. Mr. Roker is standing by to track all of that for us. But we do begin with President Biden's national address on gun violence, calling on Congress to act amid a string of recent mass shootings across the country. More than 230 since January 1st. We've got it all covered. We're going to start with NBC's Kristen Welker, who's at the White House. Hey, Kristen, good morning. 
Hi, Hoda, good morning to you. You could hear the anger in the president's voice as he called on Congress to pass new gun laws. To make his case, the president cited data from the CDC, which shows guns are now the number one killer of children nationwide. He urged lawmakers to meet the moment and called Republican opposition to new laws, quote, unconscionable, warning inaction now will cost lawmakers at the ballot box. With the country still reeling from the mass shootings in Buffalo, Uvalde, and Tulsa, President Biden made an impassioned plea to Congress overnight. Pass new gun restrictions now. For God's sake, how much more carnage are we willing to accept? How many more innocent American lives must be taken before we say enough? Enough. The president, who recently visited two of those grieving communities, drawing from the moment mourners in Uvalde begged him. They had one message for all of us do something. Just do something. For God's sake, do something. The president laid out his agenda against the glimmering lights of 56 candles, each representing a U.S. state or territory, reflecting his view this is a national emergency. The president calling on Congress to reinstate the assault weapons ban, which expired in 2004. But acknowledging the slim chances of that, Mr. Biden said at the very least, lawmakers should raise the minimum age to purchase an assault weapon from 18 to 21. He also urged Congress to expand background checks and impose red flag laws, which would allow law enforcement to take weapons away from anyone deemed a threat to themselves or others. This isn't about taking anyone's rights. It's about protecting our freedoms to go to school, to a grocery store, to a church without being shot and killed. The House is expected to vote on a package of new gun laws next week, but many Republican lawmakers still objecting to the reforms. These leftists want to take those firearms away so that people are defenseless to defend their families. And a House hearing earlier in the day highlighted the deep divides that remain when Florida Republican Greg Stubbe appearing remotely displayed his own gun collection. Here's a seven round magazine, which would be less than what would be lawful under this bill if this bill were to become law. It doesn't fit. So this gun would be banned. I hope the, gun, the gun is not loaded. I'm at my house. I can do whatever I want with my guns. Really heated moment there. Well, the president also called on lawmakers to address the mental health crisis. That's something that Republicans say is at the root of the issue. So where do these talks stand? Well, there is a small bipartisan group of senators who've been quietly negotiating gun reforms. And while both sides have expressed measured optimism, the reality is there's still deep skepticism. There will be sweeping changes. However, there may be, and I want to stress this, may be some common ground on areas like red flag laws, and background checks, but it's very uphill. Hoda. Yeah, hopefully they can get something done. All right, Kristen Welker for us there in Washington. Kristen, thank you. Now to that breaking story in Texas overnight. An escaped inmate on the run for weeks killed in a shootout with officers just hours after he was accused of murdering a family of five. NBC's Morgan Chesky joins us with the very latest on this. Morgan, good morning to you. Craig, authorities warned that Gonzalo Lopez was a dangerous man, and now they believe he's tied to five more deaths during his run from the law. And this all began three weeks ago when he took over a prison bus, then disappeared, sparking one of the largest manhunts in Texas history, all to track down that 46-year-old who became one of the state's most wanted criminals. Overnight, a three-week statewide manhunt in Texas coming 
to a dramatic end. Gonzalo Lopez has been captured and is deceased. Escaped inmate Gonzalo Lopez, armed with an AR-15 and pistol, shot and killed by officers near San Antonio. Just hours earlier, officials announced the 46-year-old convicted murderer was the prime suspect in five new murders. There is some uh, information for us to lead to believe that uh, Gonzalo Lopez was the individual that broke into that residence and committed these murders. His escape had launched one of the biggest manhunts in recent state history. Authorities say they went to a home in Leon County between Dallas and Houston Thursday after a call from a concerned relative and discovered the bodies of one adult and four minors. Police saying Lopez used the family's white Chevrolet Silverado as his getaway car. That same Chevy pickup later spotted more than 200 miles away in Jordanton. Lopez crashed out and decided to engage law enforcement officers and those officers very swiftly uh, shot and killed uh, Lopez, bringing this whole ordeal to an end. Lopez, who had ties to the Mexican mafia, had been on the run since May 12th when authorities say he escaped from a prison bus, stabbing the driver and then driving the bus a short distance before losing control. Police say this cell phone video captures the chaotic scene. The suspect later fleeing on foot, running into the woods. Lopez had a long criminal history and was serving life in prison for convictions of capital murder, aggravated kidnapping, and attempted capital murder. By the time he was killed, authorities were offering up to $50,000 in exchange for any information leading to his arrest. And authorities have not released the identities of those five victims, but stress they have no connection to Lopez, saying that they are a family from Houston who was visiting that home as a weekend getaway. Craig. Morgan Chesky for us there in Texas. Morgan, thank you. Turning now to the fighting in Ukraine, where Russia's war has now reached its 100th day. That is a grim milestone marked by intense new battles for control of key territory in eastern Ukraine. NBC's chief foreign correspondent Richard Engel joins us now with the very latest. Hey, Richard, good morning. Good morning, Hoda. 100 days, 100 days that have changed this country, changed the security dynamic in Europe. And after initial success on the battlefield, now Ukrainian troops are fighting to hold this country together. 100 days in, Russian troops this morning have all but captured Severodonetsk, their fifth major city in Ukraine. President Zelensky says Russia now occupies about 20% of the country. Getting it back could take years and isn't guaranteed. Three months ago, the war looked promising for Ukraine. The whole country united against this, this Russian invasion. At the front, Ivan Mishchenko, a judge who gave up his bench, was one of many civilians who took up the call to arms. At the first stage, they wanted to invade the whole country. And I think it was their mistake. They lost a lot of soldiers, a lot of, uh, a lot of tanks, a lot of equipment just because they, they thought that Ukrainians will be happy to see them, but Ukrainians are happy to see them dead. Now the war goes more slowly. Now it's a destructive grind, with Russia using artillery to blast through Ukrainian towns and cities. As Russian soldiers, Ukrainian officials claim, loot and carry out war crimes. 22-year-old Karina Ershova lived in Bucha, she was a waitress in a Japanese restaurant. Ukrainian police say Karina was tortured, raped, and executed by a Russian soldier. Her family identified her by her tattoos. Now they're trying to bring her case to trial 
and want eye-for-an-eye eye justice. I want the same thing to happen to them as happened to my daughter, her mother seethes. The ramifications of Russia's war go far beyond Ukraine and are only now emerging. Six million refugees, a global oil and food crisis. Sweden and Finland nervously applying to join NATO. And the Cold War threat of nuclear escalation returning. Russia has been showing off its arsenal. It seems to be a warning to the world, especially the United States, not to try to stop any attempt by Putin to rebuild Russia's empire, starting in Ukraine. Is there any concern of uh, a nuclear threat? There is obviously the concern about the nuclear threat. U.S. officials believe that it is unlikely that Russia would use nuclear weapons in Ukraine. But U.S. officials say that what Russia is doing, its increased, uh, increasingly aggressive language, is highly irresponsible. Oda. All right, Richard Angle for us there in Ukraine. Richard, thank you. And now to the latest on the monkeypox outbreak. Health officials say there are now probable cases in Chicago, Philadelphia, and Los Angeles County. That brings the total number of cases here in the United States to at least 21. There are more than 500 cases across the globe, but still health officials say the risk of monkeypox remains very low. All right. Also this morning, Americans from coast to coast waking up to more bad news, a new record high when it comes to the price of gas. NBC's Tom Costello joins us with more on that. Hey, Tom, good morning. Yeah, Hoda, you know, gas prices continue to skyrocket nationwide. A gallon of regular hitting yet another record this morning, 4.76 a gallon. That's up 16 cents in a week, up a buck 34 from a year ago. Many experts believe that $5 or $5.20 a gallon is the pain point where Americans will dramatically curtail their driving, maybe cancel the family vacation or park the family SUV. And that pain point could be close by. Already eight states are over the $5 mark. California, well above that. $6.24 is the state average in California. Some areas, $7. So far, Americans, though, are still driving. This past Memorial Day, we saw heavy traffic on the road. And that increased demand is just one of the factors pushing up the prices, along with the war in Ukraine, the partial embargo on Russian oil, China now reopening after their most recent COVID lockdowns. That means more demand. President Biden, of course, acknowledging this last week that Americans would be feeling the pain at the pump for some time to come, saying he can't just click a switch and take immediate action. But these gas prices and sky-high inflation posing a real economic threat, Hoda. Yeah, people really, really looking for some relief here, Tom. So what is the president's long-term plan here? Well, so as you know, uh, yesterday, OPEC plus, OPEC and 10 nations announced that they will modestly increase oil production. In addition to that, President Biden is apparently going to Saudi Arabia later this month. Now, here's the plan. As you know, this is against the backdrop of very bad Saudi-American relations uh, of late. Uh, President Biden saying he wanted to make Saudi Arabia a pariah state after they executed journalist Jamal Khashoggi. Now we have a situation where gas prices are soaring. The president needs Saudi Arabia to pump more oil. So they're trying to have a, a new detente with Saudi Arabia. He will meet with the crown prince. The hope is to isolate Russia, Russian oil, 
maybe isolate Iran and at the same time build a better relationship with Saudi Arabia and OPEC and increase oil production. But uh, bringing uh, some, any sort of relief at the pump maybe some time off. All right. Tom Costello for us there in D.C. Tom, thanks. Lots more yeah. news to cover on this Friday morning as we welcome in Tom Yamas. Hey, hey Tom. guys. Tom, happy Friday. Good morning to you. So all of South Florida right now is under a tropical storm warning this morning due to what could be the first named storm of the hurricane season. The storm is expected to bring dangerous winds, torrential rain, and possible flooding to areas of South Florida, perhaps even stretching up to Central Florida. Al's got everything you need to know about the storm and where it's headed. Al, we have a storm, but no name yet, right? No name yet. There is an 8 o'clock update from the National Hurricane Center, most likely named by then. We'd be surprised if it isn't. Tropical storm warnings, as you mentioned, stretching from the Bahamas into Central and Southern Florida. Right now, it is potential tropical cyclone 1, 125 miles north of Cozumel, 40 mile per hour winds. That's the threshold for a tropical storm, so we're going to be watching it. It's moving northeast at six miles per hour. So today, the tropical storm expected to make uh, to get closer, become a tropical storm later this evening. Heavy rain begins during the day and into the evening for southern Florida. Then as we move into Saturday, the storm makes landfall. We're expecting its peak impacts sometime around midday. Saturday afternoon moves back out into the Atlantic, improving conditions by the evening. Torrential flooding and rain. We're talking significant flash flooding possible. Two-inch rainfall rates per hour. Some places in southern Florida could see up to a foot of rain. Plus, we have to worry about those winds. Strongest wind gusts, 50 to 60 miles per hour. Elevated surf, one to three feet above average. S severe storms moving through with this. Isolated tornadoes as well as it pushes through. So we're going to continue to watch that. And you can see the rest of the country not as bad, although some severe storms will be firing up through the southwest. And that's your latest weather, guys. All right, Al, thank you. Just ahead this morning's new festivities to celebrate the Queen's record-setting Platinum Jubilee, the royal family stepping out without Her Majesty at a special church service will take you there live to St. Paul's Cathedral. Also had this morning amid growing fallout over that verdict in the Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial, we're going to take a closer look at the role social media played in that emotional case and how it could have impacted the jury. But first, this is Today on NBC. Hello, parents, homeschoolers, and teachers. Trusty narrator here from the Who Smarted podcast. Our 15-minute episodes are perfect for car rides, bedtime, break time, class time, or any time. We make learning science and history fun and funny for 7 to 11-year-olds with new episodes every week. Look for Who Smarted on any podcast platform or at whosmarted.com. And teachers get a free subscription to our ad-free version by clicking educators at whosmarted.com. If you ever needed to be persuaded that bad things can happen anywhere, then take a journey with us. From compelling mysteries to in-depth investigations, our Dateline episodes are available as podcasts. Follow Dateline NBC now to get new episodes every Tuesday. To listen ad-free, subscribe to Dateline Premium on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or DatelinePremium.com. Great storytelling with a twist from the true crime original. Back now, 7.30. It's a Friday morning. Look at the members of the royal family leaving London's historic 
St. Paul's Cathedral after this morning's celebrations for the Queen's Platinum Jubilee. Uh, Harry and Meghan with some first looks and we understand there may have been a little round of applause for them when they came into the church. We're going to hear more about that from our friend Wilfred who's here uh, to fill us in on all things royal. Lots of applause mm -hmm. yesterday for Louis though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He, he stole, stole the show. It, yeah, oh, it was yeah. the show. Uh, we'll talk royals in just a moment but let's get a quick check of your 7:30 headlines. We're going to start with some welcome news for parents of very young children. The COVID vaccine for kids under five years old could be available in less than three weeks. The White House says shots could start as early as June 21st once they are cleared by the FDA and the CDC. The government says it has 10 million doses of the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines available for children six months to four years old. Two workers at a Colorado power plant were killed yesterday after getting trapped under a landslide of coal. It happened in Pueblo. Efforts to find the victims were made more difficult due to constantly shifting coal piles. Fire officials say both workers were eventually found under 60 feet of coal. An investigation on exactly how that happened is underway. All right, turning now to game one of the NBA Finals. The Boston Celtics were down by 12 points, heading into the fourth quarter, only to mount a huge comeback. The drive. Back to Horford for the lead. Boston up by three. Al Horford there led the way for Boston with 26 points as the Celtics outscored the Warriors wow. 40 to 16 just in the fourth quarter. That's incredible. Boston wins it 120 to 108. Game two is on Sunday. Craig, you were telling me Dell not not happy this morning. No, no, he's a big <laughs> stuff. Curry fan. Here's the thing: when Boston wins games like that on the road, right? It's this, not going to look wow. good. Yeah, it's going to be a tough. They series. knocked out my Heat, so I'm. Yeah. yeah, I'm like, yeah. Yeah. you're a Warriors fan too now. Uh, from sports to those celebrations for the Queen's historic Platinum Jubilee. After the opening day wrapped up with the Queen lighting a symbolic chain of lights from a Windsor Castle home to Buckingham Palace, day two kicked off this morning with a special service of Thanksgiving. Of course, the royal family was there, including Harry and Meghan, but the guest of honor making a reluctant game-time decision to skip that service at famed St. Paul's Cathedral. NBC's Kelly Cobiea is there. Hey, Kelly, good morning. Hi, good morning to you guys. Yes, that's right. The Queen did not make it this morning. She would have had to navigate those grand steps leading up into the cathedral and the long walk uh, down the cathedral inside, all while in front of the cameras. So instead, she decided to stay home in Windsor, watch the church service on TV, while her family put on a united front. This morning, the royal family gathering for the Jubilee's service of Thanksgiving, going ahead without the Queen. The monarch is resting in Windsor after experiencing discomfort on the first day of celebrations. Prince Charles stepping in one more time, leading tributes at London's St. Paul's Cathedral, joining in hymns and prayers, a show of unity for their frail queen. Harry and Meghan making their first formal appearance back from the U.S. after two years. The Duke and Duchess kept a low profile on the first day of celebrations, watching the parade from a window with the Queen's grandchildren and great-grandchildren. It was a once-in-a-lifetime moment, and the children continued to steal the show Thursday, especially William and Kate's youngest, four-year-old Prince Louis, expressing his amazement and displeasure during the military flyover and chatting with his great-grandmother as she joined her family on that famous balcony, waving to a sea of people, the crowds cheering their queen. Just brought out tears. 
it's just, it's something you have to be here to experience. The next generation on full display throughout the day. There were so many other members of the royal family that were put in the spotlight, and I believe that was completely deliberate to showcase them and to reassure the public that there will be continuity. Prince Charles on horseback leading the birthday salute for his mother, bringing the parade to her as she watched from the palace's balcony instead. William and Princess Anne riding behind the future king, Camilla and Kate, and the children waving from the carriage. Kate later taking a prime place next to the queen on the balcony. And just maybe a glimpse into the future, a surprising personal touch from Prince Charles and Camilla, spotted shaking hands with royal fans after the parade. How was it? Did you enjoy it? The Queen was all smiles back at Windsor as she lit the first of more than 1,500 beacons around the world. And at the service this morning, the Archbishop of York said of the Queen, Your Majesty, we're sorry you're not with us this morning in person, but you're still in the saddle, and we're looking for uh, much more to come. And there is more to come this Jubilee weekend. There's a big concert tomorrow, a horse race, a parade on Sunday, as well as street parties. And whether or not we see the Queen, that's still an open question. Those decisions will be made sort of on a day-by-day, -day, almost hour-by-hour -hour basis. Hoda? All right, Kelly. Hope you enjoy yourself there too. Uh, joining us now with his perspective is Wilfred Frost. He's the NBC News contributor, anchor of Sky News. Wilfred, uh, it's good to see you. Love um, to be back. A lot of folks were hoping to see the Queen make another appearance. Mm -hmm. She kind of made a game time decision and decided not to attend. What do you read into that? I, I think sadly it is quite significant because if we think what are her two most important ceremonial roles one is starting the legislative process she missed the queen's speech a month ago the other is being head of the church and she's missing this service mm -hmm. today and, and they're both things she wanted to attend she was forced to pull out of as opposed to you know removing something like cutting a ribbon a month ahead of time mm -hmm. from from the agenda the good news is i don't think there's anything specific but I think we're into this slightly new era now where her age does take its toll and does at times force her to step out of things that she wasn't planning to have to, to, to not, not take part in. But my goodness, considering she's 96 years old, that woman, that woman looks good. Oh, of course. And that's, that's the positive spin. We saw her yesterday and she was yeah. looking great. Mm -hmm. Harry and Meghan, uh, how, how are they being received there, Wolford? What are you hearing about that? Positively, I think that when they arrived today, there was a, a, a cheer. It wasn't quite as loud as for William and Kate, but it was a cheer. There was, by the way, very loud boos for the Prime Minister when he arrived. So, uh, so that. they had that in their arsenal and they didn't get it, uh, the crowds. And, uh, and, and yesterday as well, I thought people uh, responded well to the fact that they kept a low profile. And that would be the one piece of advice for the next three days. Keep a low profile. Don't let the haters spin anything they do as trying to steal the limelight because Louis can get away with that. Yes. But I'm not sure that they can. Louis is my new favorite yeah, royal. All of ours. That was done. the best. He yeah. stole it. All right, Wilfred, thank you so much. We appreciate it. Up next here, a closer look at the social media frenzy that surrounds the Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial, a look at its potential impact on that stunning verdict and other cases moving forward. Plus, inside the unprecedented drama at last night's National Spelling Bee Championship, crowned the first ever lightning round tiebreaker. And she is about to join us live. First, these messages. Alpha One Niner, commence Wi Fi device checklist. Laptops on. TVs, streaming, game console, console. Smart thermostat, set for cuddle time. Doorbell camera, 
Oh, my package is here. Fast, reliable, able to power tons of devices inside your home at once. All systems go, you are clear for takeoff. This is Xfinity Internet, Wi-Fi built to wow. And watch the short film, The Aviators, now playing at Xfinity.com. Restrictions apply, actual speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Hey guys, Willie Geist here, reminding you to check out the Sunday Sit-Down Podcast. On this week's episode, I get together with Chris Pine to talk about a career that has taken him from Star Trek to Wonder Woman, and now the new film he wrote, directed, and stars in called Pool Man. You can get our conversation for free wherever you download your podcasts. We're back. It is 741. We're taking an in-depth look at the aftermath of that stunning verdict in the Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial. Yeah, that's right. NBC national correspondent Miguel Almaguer has the latest fallout and what's next. Miguel, good morning. Tom, good morning. It was a sweeping victory for Johnny Depp, but we should note it was a mixed ruling. The jury also finding Amber Heard was defamed and the fallout from the closely from the closely watched trial, particularly on social media, has continued. Heard's team now saying they believe it influenced the jury. Johnny Depp and his legions of fans basking in his victory, while Amber Heard plans to launch an appeal after the jury in their trial found Heard defamed Depp in a 2018 Washington Post op-ed and ordered her to pay over $10 million in damages. The jury also awarded Heard $2 million in damages, ruling that she was defamed in one instance by a statement from one of Depp's lawyers. But that seemed cold comfort for Heard. Her attorney telling Savannah the media furor surrounding the trial must have reached the jury, which wasn't sequestered. They went home every night. They have families. The families are on social media. There's no way they couldn't have been influenced by it. Social media siding overwhelmingly with Depp from the start. On TikTok, the hashtag Justice for Johnny Depp now has nearly 20 billion views, while the hashtag Justice for Amber Heard has 77.5 million. And a change.org petition to remove Heard from Aquaman 2 has gained over four and a half million signatures. Heard's attorneys say she was demonized. They commissioned a report to look into the authenticity of the social media onslaught. In the report, not verified by NBC News, the researcher says he found 300 fake Twitter accounts and that it doesn't take a large number to manipulate the conversation. Targeting her, putting out Amber Heard as an abuser, Amber Heard as a liar. And at the same time, those same accounts were amplifying positive stuff about Johnny Depp. Since the start of the trial, Depp's team has denied any coordinated effort, saying support for Depp is organic and unpaid for. One undeniable truth, the unprecedented social media explosion setting a new stage for trials. And Heard's appeal could be televised, too, further stoking the spectacle. The stakes are high. Her lawyer has just said she isn't able to pay the $10.4 million she owes in damages to Johnny Depp. Craig. All right. Miguel, I'm going to go for us. Miguel, thank you so much. Let's bring in NBC tech correspondent Jacob Ward. Jacob uh, has been looking into just how easy it can be to manipulate opinions online. So let's start there. For folks who aren't as familiar uh, with the Internet as you, how easy is it to move the needle? Well, when we looked into the ways in which in the past with people like, let's say, Meghan Markle or Kamala Harris, who have been the subjects of big, big moves online when it comes to public opinion, it turns out that you really 
really only need a handful of people creating fake accounts, let's say, on Twitter to move the national conversation. When we spoke to the expert you heard there, Christopher Boozy from Bot Sentinel, his firm has looked into past instances of this and essentially found that, you know, with less than 100 accounts, you can move the needle. There was a group of, of women who went after Meghan Markle in this way. The difference in this case is that this was a sustained attack is really the word over the course of more than a year and that suggests a very coordinated level of response here. well the jurors weren't supposed to look at their phones but they did have a 10-day break in the middle of the trial which i'm sure they had either family members or somebody yeah. who was on and right. talking about it but when they walked into the courtroom every day they were flanked by people with johnny depp signs i mean they could have been influenced by a number of different things too absolutely right? you can't necessarily measure that influence right now but certainly any marketer can tell you that you know during that 10-day break anybody who's subjected to the nearly 19 uh, sorry nearly 20 billion views wow. of jo justice for johnny depp hashtag on TikTok. anybody you know your niece your sure. neighbor whoever you're gonna say amber heard or they might say them they might roll their eyes you know who knows what kind of things may have gotten in second hand there it's just the nature of us living in a social media world right uh, now. it's yeah. hard to believe though a hundred bots can change right. a conversation that's right. an and, interesting and it point. used to be that it would take you know tremendous technical expertise to do that today right. you don't need yeah. that kind of expertise at all and so my feeling about the future here is that putting aside the the results here and mm -hmm. whether this was in any way coordinated as you heard there Johnny mm -hmm. Debs camp says we did not pay for this right. this was organic but if you're in the public eye and you're in crisis going forward, you're going to look back at this episode and you're going to think to yourself, how can I get the treatment that Johnny Depp did? And so I think you're going to see firm after firm begin to offer that kind Try of service going forward. All right. Jacob Ward. Thanks, Jake. Thanks, Appreciate buddy. It. All right, we're going to shift gears now. Let's head over to Mr. Roker, check of the weather. Hey, Al. All right, guys, good morning. And we are looking at some severe storms firing up through central Texas right now. And, in fact, we do have a risk of severe weather stretching from Texas all the way up into Nebraska with damaging winds, some hail. The good news is tornado threat is low. Temperatures today, well, a little cooler where all the heavy showers and thunderstorms are happening. But temperatures close to average for Cleveland, Cincinnati, Atlanta, Raleigh, Washington, D.C. as well. Moving into tomorrow, temperatures kind of level out. We're looking at Chicago. You're right where you should be. Minneapolis, a little cooler. Rochester, New York, a little cooler. Boston, normal. Philadelphia, just a tad cooler. And then as we go into early next week, temperatures start warming up again. Into the mid-80s for Norfolk. D.C. will be in the low 80s. Charleston into the mid-80s. Nashville into the mid to upper 80s. And for next week, it is going to be warmer than average out west, down through the Gulf, but cooler than average from the plains all the way into the Northeast. And that's your latest weather. Guys, thanks, Al. All right, just ahead, Mick Jagger and the Rolling Stones still managing to pull off surprises after 60 years wow. in the music business. We'll tell you what they just did in concert for the very first time. But first, these messages. Welcome back, Carson. Here, you got a powerful conversation, Carson. We do. We have a good one coming up today for Mind Matters Mental Health Awareness. We're talking with a popular Peloton instructor. There's Kendall Tool. We have a lot in common. We're both from Southern California, went to college nearby. Great energy, great spirit, and even better story that literally uh, a miracle occurs in her life. It's empowering, empowering, and uh, inspirational to say the least. So we invite you to uh, join in on that conversation. We have that coming up in just a little bit.